Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Brasilia, Kevin Lee versus Charles Dubronx Oliveira. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in Brasilia, Brazil. A lightweight showdown in the main event. You got the Motown phenom Kevin Lee taking on the man with the most submissions in UFC history, Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Yeah, this is a great fight, man, because I, I like the... Uh you know, the vibes between these two, you know, Kevin's, you know, his confidence is back now. You know, he just got, he came off that vicious KO win over the high prospect uh, and Gregor Gillespie. And Charles has been on a six-fight win streak. I know some of the competition hasn't been necessarily up to par, but he's still got a couple good wins in there uh, over some legit guys. And, you know, I see he dyed his hair blonde uh, the week of the fight, which is, uh, you know, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting move there. But uh, so it's confirmed that there will be no crowd there. No crowd. Man, so. You know, now uh, things are a little bit interesting now. Now Kevin don't even got to deal with no, you know, uva mojeres and, and nothing like that. It's just going to be silence in there, man. So it's going to be a great, uh, it's going to be an interesting night of fights, you know. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to see how it is with no crown. Man, that atmosphere is going to be, I was going to say wild, but it's just... Fucking dead, <laughs> man. It, it's one of those things where if you're trying to bet on some of these guys relying on the Brazilian crowd to carry you through, like for example, Trinaldo, you know, McDessie's going to come out here and try to have a little point battle. Now, there's a chance McDessie gets knocked out, but if this goes the distance, I if I was betting on Trinaldo, I'd be relying on the crowd that go fucking crazy every time Trinaldo even attempts a swing, even if he swings at air. Mm. I, I'm expecting scream, scream, <laughs> scream. And now that that's not going to happen, I wonder, uh, you know, how these fights that potentially go to decision are uh, gonna end up going down. Shaq, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, one hundred percent with no crown. I mean, it's not just UFC; it's pretty much a lot. Uh, basketball, well, basketball got completely shut down. Uh, somebody actually had the coronavirus. Uh, some dude on the Utah Jazz. So you know, uh, coronavirus is serious, man. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of ruining my sports right now. So man, uh, just a quick shout out anyone anyone dealing with that, man. We hope you guys get better. Uh, I really don't. I'm not as educated or informed on, on the matter, so. Pardon my ignorance, well, they but say older people are more, uh, more prone to it. So. Yeah, so just just shout out to anyone dealing with that. We we hope you uh, improve. And uh, Shaq, uh, before we break down this card, gotta let them know to go to bestfightpicks.com. Use that promo code twenty twenty for twenty percent off our VIP. Or if you want to deal with us individually, use Shaq's promo code Shaq for ten percent off, or use mine Dan for ten percent off, all lowercase at bestfightpicks.com. And Shaq, let's break down this whole card start to finish because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Veronica Macedo, she's 6-3, and three, and Bia Malecki is 1-0. and no. Currently, they got Veronica Macedo, minus 170. The comeback on Bia Malecki is plus 150. Shaq, this is interesting because Veronica Macedo's moving up to the Bantamweight division. You actually saw her UFC debut at Bantamweight, so it's not like she's a stranger there. You saw her fight uh, at Ashley Evans-Smith, oh, so... Really. You saw you saw that spinning back kick she landed to the gut of Evan Smith, uh, and then after that nothing else happened. But uh, with Bia Malecki, uh, she's only one and no as a pro. She's going to be significantly larger here, but she's only one and no as a pro. So I think that's why Veronica is uh, favored here. Now, oftentimes if you see that kind of line next to Veronica, you might want to look to her opponent. But do you trust a one and no opponent here? 
Who has a, a serious size advantage, but maybe, maybe not skills? I don't think you really have to trust her. Um, Macedo did look... I mean, she had that nice armbar over Pollyanna Viana her last fight. Uh, it was a sick armbar. You know, that was very uh, legit. So you got to be... Maleki's a... I think she's a Euro... A Swedish Muay Thai champion. Um, she's got good Muay Thai skills. Definitely got the length on, on Macedo. So she can keep this at range and, you know keep this on the feet i actually think that she can have some success at least make this one-to-one going into the third round macedo's not necessarily the type where you know from a betting perspective when i say you know a lot of these chick fights going one-to-one into the third round no matter if it's lined you know pick or minus 300 i mean a lot of them still <laughs> they still end up being one-one going into the third round and i mean i'd rather be on the dog side and macedo doesn't necessarily strike me as the type that is gonna you know take over in that third round you know she likes to grapple more and she does have the grappling edge so if she's able to hit an arm bar on Maleki it wouldn't surprise me at all but I actually think Maleki's gonna come out here with her 1-0 and record and pull off the upset you know I know my boy Safe's gonna have the game plan she's been putting in work at Fortis uh Macedo's been I heard she's been putting in work with my boy Cyril <laughs> I think it's a more of a 50-50 fight so I'll take the dog yeah it's a tough one for me to call the size difference is going to be a big factor like i mentioned but so is the experience look veronica macedo has already had 10 professional fights this is bea maleki's second pro fight but uh you know training out of force mma maybe she's got something good going on there and i do agree it's a dogger pass situation but ultimately i'm going to side with the favorite in this spot shack now next up in the flyweight division we got a matchup between bruno bulldog silva he's 10 and 4 and david dvorak is 17 and 3 currently they real, got real quick guys y'all know bruno bulldog silva with the split with the guy with one leg <laughs> and real quick guys you know bruno bulldog went to draw with casey kenny Hey, it's just uh, facts. The, the judges messed up. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a <laughs> Currently, they got Bruno Silva minus 120. The comeback on David Dvorak is plus 100. Well, Shaq, it's interesting because they got this uh, this Czech prospect, uh, David Dvorak. He's 17-3 and making that UFC debut. So I was very intrigued uh, to see what he brings to the table because, look, Bruno Silva is decent. He's well-rounded, but, you know, he can be beaten. Um but I was kind of underwhelmed by by David Dvorak a little bit, man. Uh, you know, it, it's a bit of a that padded record and the competition that he fought on the regional scene. Just to put in perspective, I mean, he is coming off a win over a sixteen and two guy, but you know that sixteen and two isn't. Uh, you know, they're they're sixteen and twos, and then they're sixteen and twos. You know what I'm saying? This sixteen and two guy was coming off wins over zero and zero opponents and two and four opponents and zero and one opponents, so it was very padded. And prior to that. My boy David Dvorak beat a four and four opponent, and, and not to you know, wiki cap and do all these things, but when I watched it, the tape uh, for myself, I, I just was kind of underwhelmed. He is pretty tall for the weight class. Uh, he is kind of long, you know. He's knocked guys out, he's choked guys out, and I wouldn't be surprised if he caught the chin of Bruno Bulldog because that's one thing we've noticed. He has a bit of a suspect chin, but. Ultimately, I'm going to go with the experience of Bruno Bulldog here, man. I think he'll be able to grind out two of the rounds, mix in some takedowns, and uh, win a decision. Yeah, this is one of the more closely matched fights because, you know, I do think Bruno Bulldog could be one of these guys that's two and out the door. One of your typical tough guy, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. Sometimes he, I mean, he is a liability on the feet. And when you really look at his career and his wins that he's uh, sustained in his career, I mean, they really are nothing to uh, write home about. I know he went to draw with Casey Kinney, but sometimes Casey has a 
has a bad round, man. He'll uh, <laughs> he'll uh, stop fighting. But nah, I think this kid David DeBrack is long. I feel like he probably projects better in the long term. But he's gonna definitely have to elevate his game because this ain't the Czech Republic anymore. And you know, historically speaking, Czech Republic fighters usually uh, they usually don't pan out. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Up until this point, they haven't done as well inside the octagon. And, you know, we had Pudalova, we had uh, Car- Carmo- Carlos Vemola. So let's see if David uh, can, uh, you know, third time's the charm for them. Let's see if he can actually get some wins here. He's a super big flyweight, man. I feel like Bruno's going to struggle with his size a little bit. But, like, I agree. You just seem average. You know, he, I didn't come away impressed, but I didn't think he sucked either. So, you know, uh, 50-50 fight, I'll take the dog. I'll go the opposite side, David. I think that uh, somewhere on the, on along the lines, Bruno will get dropped. And crowd now, Bruno doesn't have that crowd on his side either, man. So, Maybe David, for a debut, and maybe he'll be able to think a little bit better, think a little bit more smoothly. And uh, so I'll take him, for the, take him for the win. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Myra Bueno Silva. She's 6-0, and and Marina Moroz is 9-3. and Currently, they got Myra Bueno Silva minus 145. The comeback on Marina Moroz is plus 125. So, Shaq, I was very impressed with Myra Bueno Silva uh, UFC debut against Jillian Robertson went out there finished her in the first round prior to that had that ninja choke on contender series so this chick has definitely been going out there impressing me with both of her performances obviously had to deal with that injury in, in that uh in that last fight against Robertson but man she overcame adversity with a hurt leg she still went out there and finished the fight Shaq now she's got the chance to come out here and overcome the tennis sounds of uh, Marina Moroz and what's interesting about this is that the judges are going to hear the tennis sounds very very loud and clear here there's no crowd to overcome uh, those sounds you know anytime Myra Bueno Silva does something the crowd's not going to be going crazy because the crowd's not going to be there so the tennis sounds will be very very loud and clear for these judges Shaq do you think that'll have an effect on this matchup? Yeah, it's a good it's a good fight because I am impressed with Bueno. She seems like she's got a little bit, you know, uh, some dynamic ability in her with the with the with the spin the spinning kicks to the gut, like how she showed you on against Robertson. I mean, she was throwing some hard punches as well. Um, she did get taken down, but she was attacking off her back. Uh, was able to pull off an arm bar. Uh, but Moroz, I kind of do think Moroz is, is better than Jillian. Um, Moroz, I'll tell you what, she looked good her last fight against uh, Sabina Mazo. A lot of people weren't expecting that that went out of her. And the difference in the performance, uh, in my opinion, was it just seemed like she was a lot more aggressive for once. You know, usually she likes to sit back and punch the air. But uh, I guess, you know, now that she's with the American top team, maybe they're... Uh, I, during that fight, I just heard the uh, commentators mention that American top team's trying to make Marina Moroz more aggressive. So, you know, I mean, she bloodied up. She actually bloodied up somebody's nose her last fight. Uh, Sabina Mazo's nose was leaking blood. So uh, Moroz made a step forward, in my opinion. She's got tons of experience. And let's not forget, man, this girl was re- really young while she was taking some of those losses. I think she's only like 26 or uh, she was fighting Esparza. I know I like to make big jokes about her, Valerie Letourneau, you know, but those girls are a lot older than her. Uh, Valerie fought for a title in two different promotions. Um, Myra Breno is the more talented fighter. You know, it seems like she throws harder. It seems like, you know, she's got a little bit of a jujitsu game as well. But Moroz is definitely going to be a test and more so the details of the game, you know, and the clinch, the positioning. Now we're really going to see what Myra Bueno's got. Uh, I definitely favor Myra Bueno, but I agree with where it's lined at. I, you know, I feel like she should be slightly favored over Moroz. I know Moroz, 
uh, kind of doesn't have the best reputation for the air punching, but man, I just know that experience has holds a big uh, holds big value in the in this weight class, in my opinion. You know, Myra Bueno's only got six or seven fights, and Marose has been in there with the likes of. You know, like I said earlier, Esparza and all these girls. So Jojo, jo- Joanne Calderwood. You know, so I think uh, I'll pick Bueno for the win. I don't want to say it's dog or pass, but I, I, I don't. I would just say that uh, it could be sketchy, man. Like I said, with these girl fights, you know, Moreau's, like you said, there ain't going to be no crowd there now. Now you're going to be hearing the sounds, and she's making a bunch of sounds. Ha 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 ha! You know, one of these judges. I mean, look, the judges these days are on their phones during the fight, so you got to be uh, careful, man. Uh, I mean, and that's just facts. They got pictures to prove that. So, uh, you know, so I'll pick Myra Bueno. I think she's more talented, more powerful, but uh, I respect Marina Moreau's. Look, with a crowd there, I got Myra Buena Silva, but without a crowd, I think I might be leaning more towards the upset, man. It's going to be completely silent in there, and, you know, Myra Bueno has kind of got that methodical Muay Thai style standing, and she's got a very good uh, ground game as well, but Marina Moreau is going to be out there running around making those tennis sounds. Ha <laughs> ha! And, uh, man... I just wish the crowd was there to carry on Myra Bueno Silva. That way, anytime she does anything, they could be going crazy. But unfortunately, that's not going to be happening. So uh, now uh, I'm going to go with Marina Morose to win a controversial split decision. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Hani Yaya, he's 26 and 10, and Enrique El Fuerte Barzola is 16 and 5. Currently, they got Enrique Barzola minus 185. The comeback on Rani Yaya is plus 160. Shaq, uh, We've been asking Enrique Barzola to make the drop to Bantamweight, and now he's finally doing it. But uh, it's no uh, easy task to take on the seriously well-respected Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt in Hanayaya in his Bantamweight debut. Uh, You think uh, Enrique Barzola's wrestling defense will hold up here and he'll be able to beat uh, the black belt? Yeah, this is a very good fight. I'm glad to see Enrique finally make that drop down. And uh, one thing I'll say about Enrique, man, this guy fights with a spirit that – I mean, this guy comes to fight. He's got that Peruvian warrior mentality, and I'm glad now he's finally not going to be undersized. I mean, every fight he's in, I'm, we're talking, he's fighting big boys like Aguilar. I mean, Aguilar used to weigh 300 pounds. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Moffitt's a big featherweight. Uh, um, Matt said those guys are big. Uh, Gabriel Mowgli Benitez, I mean, he's always undersized in his fights, and it kind of makes things really tricky for him. And now he's actually going to have a size advantage. And, I mean, if you've been seeing some of the pictures, El Forte, he looks jacked up. And uh, coming off his last fight against Mansoir Evlov, man, I gained a lot of – I mean, I already had a lot of respect for El Forte, but, man – the way that fight, I don't want to say that it was it, it was closer than the cards read, but like it was a good fight, man. I mean, Mazvar Evlev, I, I don't know if you guys uh, have heard me in the past, but I've been on the record to call this kid Little Khabib. I mean, this kid can wrestle his ass off. His transitions are insane. And El Forte was able to not only, you know, uh, have success stuffing the majority of those, but he even took Mazvar down and he even actually slammed Mazvar. So that was a very impressive fight, even though he took a loss, in my opinion. And I feel like that was probably the final straw where these guys uh, wanted to drop down because Evlo, man, I know he's uh, a former Bantamweight himself, but, man, he's grown so big over the last few years. And now you see Evlo has to stay at 145 because he he can't make Bantamweight anymore. So. I think that uh, this fight with Hani, Hani, a legend, a legend of the sport, a legend of the division. I mean, I remember this guy back in WEC tapping dudes out. Uh, you know, Hani Aya is a, a bad dude. Uh, 
He's got some good submission wins, but you know, let's just be honest here. He fought Henry Briones, Russell Doan, and uh, Luke Sanders. You know, all those guys got for the most part no ground games. And uh, you know, his fight now his fight with Ricky Simone, he got absolutely dominated. I know he landed a couple of big shots on Ricky, but you know, Ricky Simon is reckless when it comes to strength. <laughs> Ricky's got no chin, <laughs> like Ricky, and Ricky's chinny as fuck. Uh, so, uh, I, I mean, I respect Kanye. Of course, he can submit anyone, but I actually think El Fuerte has the, the better wrestling here. I think he can take Kanye down. I mean, you see how easily Ricky Ricky was just, you know, just hitting basic double legs, and Kanye was just going to his back. He wanted nothing to do with her. He had no success grappling with Ricky. So I feel like a stronger guy, wrestler base uh, like El Fuerte is going to give him troubles here. And I think that Kanye uh, is actually in trouble here. I think El Fuerte is going to look the best he has at this right weight class, he's ripped, he's shredded. And I feel like, you know, the move to AKA, this is where it's finally going to pay off. You know, he was, he's think he's one and one at that team now. But, uh, man, I was really impressed with his fight against Mazar Evoluev, and I think he's going to have success here against Hani. I, I think he actually ends his decision, his decision ways, and gets a finish. So I'll go with El Forte. Oh, wow, Shaq's going with the finish here. Uh, look, Enrique El Forte Barzola has been impressive to me as well throughout his entire career because he was outsized at featherweight, but he still went out there and he was picking those guys up like Matt Hughes running to the center of the octagon and slamming them. Always exciting to watch. And here against Haniyaya, he gets to use his uh, wrestling in reverse, gets to keep this fight standing, and gets to show off some of that striking. You know, we saw in that third round against Aguilar, when he finally decided to commit and throw big bombs, he was out there. I thought he almost knocked out Aguilar in that third round, and I think if he goes out there with that same vicious intent here against Haniyaya, he can go out here and finish the fight as well. But if not, swim through the leg lock attacks, maintain that top position, and uh, go out there and show shut this guy down, win that decision. So I'm glad to see El Fuerte Barzola making the drop to Bantamweight, and I think he's going to do well here. But look, Ronnie Yaya, he's a guy you can't count out. I mean, he's had 11 victories inside the octagon. Just to get two victories is one thing, but to win 11 times inside the UFC, uh, I mean, the guy's a beast, man. He, he's definitely held his spot in the company. Not a lot of guys can say they have an 11-4 record with the company, and they've been in the UFC this long. I mean, I know you remember him back in the WEC. Uh, Ronnie Ayala is a real badass, a real legend uh, for the underground fans, you know, the hardcore. So we love the guy, but uh, I agree. You remember I, my boy Hadi versus Eddie Wyland back in the day? Yeah, that was, a, that was a little banger. I mean, you remember when he beat Mike Brown? That was an upset at the time, man. So, yeah, I, I, I like Ronnie Aya, but I think this is a bad matchup for him, so I'm going to go with Barzola. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos. He's 21-6, and six, and Alexei Kunchenko is 20-1. and one. Currently, they got Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos minus 130. The comeback on Alexei Kunchenko is plus 110. Well, Shaq, both these guys are coming off their first losses in a while. Obviously, Kunchenko's on a 20-fight win streak, had it uh, snapped against Gilbert Durinho Burns. And Elizu Zaleski was on a 7-fight win streak, went to China against Jing Liang, got knocked out. Now, here's my question, man, because you saw Jing Liang's last fight against Magny. Kind of makes the whole Zaleski thing a head-scratcher because... I'm curious if Zaleski would have fought Jing Liang anywhere outside of China, would he have, would he have had a much better performance? Because it really looked like Zaleski was very subdued in there, didn't quite perform like himself. But at the same time, Jing Liang does hit like a truck, so I don't want to discredit that performance. It's just a bit of a head-scratcher after seeing Lee get so dominated when we thought that he had passed that point of his career. And Zaleski, we hold in such high regard, so I'm very curious to see how he looks this weekend. It's going to tell me a lot. And with Kunchenko... 
kind of got started a little bit too late in that Gilbert Durinho Burns fight. Ended up losing a close decision. Came on, uh, you know, too late in that third round. Had already lost the first two rounds. So, man, what do you think about this matchup between the truck uh, Kunchenko and uh, Zaleski? Because it's interesting. You got the Capoeira kicks of Zaleski, and also this is a guy who, when he's on the mat, he'll go for leg lock uh, attempts to use them as sweeps to get in top position. He'll throw big spins, the flying knees. Elizu Zaleski is a very exciting guy to watch, especially in the stand-up realm. Uh, he, he gives no fucks. And with Alexei Kunchenko, he's got that Russian coast style. The guy is uh, very stocky. He's short. Uh, you know, maybe he has a little bit of a weakness to the calf kicks, but he lands some calf kicks of his own, which are very, very hard as well. And his clinch game is on point. And you start to slow down on a guy like Alexei Kunchenko, and he will wear you out. Uh, he knows how to win rounds. Uh, such an interesting matchup. Now, again, with the crowd not being there, it's going to be interesting because now when Eliza Zaleski throws a big spin and misses, no one's going to be going crazy. It's going to be completely silent in there. So... Man, I, I'm not really sure what to think about this one anymore. Uh, I think it actually might be a dogger pass situation now. But at the same time, had that Jing Liang fight not happened, I think the minus money would be warranted on, on Zaleski. So I don't want to write him off quite yet. I think we were high on the guy for a reason. But both these guys are not necessarily you know, bright prospects in terms of both have potential, you know, have top five potential or anything like that. But both are just... I think both are going to keep their spot on the roster for a while. So this is a very important fight for both gentlemen coming into it. And uh, it's very closely matched. I think it's a dogger pass situation, honestly. So with no crowd being here, with no hometown advantage uh, anymore, uh, I'm going to go with Alexei Kunchenko to eke out a split. Yeah, this is a, a very closely matched fight, man, because I feel like a few months ago, Eliza would have probably been an even bigger favorite against Kunchenko, even if he was undefeated with the two wins over uh Tiago Alves, I mean, it was a, a decent performance. I mean, he just coasted the entire time. And Yushin Okami, who <clears throat> we know who was also on his way out. So I feel like a lot of people jumped the gun on Kunchenko as a prospect. You know, he's, uh, he's on the slower side, in my opinion. 5'8", welterweight. Uh, I mean, the dude's stocky. But he's just very fundamental. He just sticks to the basics. And, I mean, nothing crazy. Very good calf kicks. I think it's going to be very... Uh, hard to implement a, a calf kick game plan on a guy like uh, on Elizu, so I think he's gonna have to get in here and try to take him down, clinch him, try to manipulate him that way. But uh, Elizu, yeah, man, it's kind of alarming that he lost to Lee like that, man. And I thought it was a vicious beatdown. I mean, I even told you a couple weeks ago that I'm not sure if he's ever gonna come back the same. I mean, he got dropped down flush uh, in the first round, got hurt again in the second round, and then finished, and then finished in the third round. I mean, it, it, I mean, it got ugly, man. So I, I definitely don't see Elizu probably ever heading back towards, you know, where he where we all thought he was going to go towards to after that beatdown uh, in China. And Kunchenko was undefeated. So, I mean, at the same time, it's hard to write both these guys off. It's the definition of a 50-50 fight to me. Uh, Elizu being better on the feet, Kunchenko being probably slightly better in the clinch. Uh, I don't see either guy really getting the better of each other on the mat. Uh, there's no crowd there. I'll take. I'll go the opposite side. I'll say Elizu by decision. But uh, you know, it, it's gonna be an interesting fight, man. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Amanda Hibosh. She's eight and one, and Randa Marcos is ten and seven. 
Currently, they got Amanda Hebosh minus 340. The comeback on Random Marcos is plus 280. Now, Shaq, I got to know, man, does uh, beating Mackenzie Dern and Emily Whitmire warrant a minus 340 price tag against, uh, you know, an established veteran of the division, Random Marcos, who's fought literally everyone? Yeah, she has fought everyone, and she's won 500 against all of them. So, you know, I feel like Marcos, you know, is pretty much we know what she is. She's tough. She's going to fight. Uh, she's fought in Brazil before. She's been there. I mean, she's fought, yeah, like you said, everyone. But I, I feel like she's still stagnant. Nothing's really changed. Uh, I mean, we, she comes with the takedowns. But it kind of seems like, actually, she is getting a little older. Because I thought around the Angela Hill fight, you know, maybe she uh, is getting better. But then the Gedalia fight, she lost every round. No, really no shame in that. But then the Yoder fight, you know, a spot where I was actually saying, you know, don't bet on Yoder. Yoder still went to split at the end. I remember how everyone was taking uh, shots on Yoder in that fight. I actually thought it was a good fight for Marcos, but, man, she still almost lost that fight. I mean, I, I thought that was going to be a more dominant win for her, and she was getting taken down, and, I mean, that fight was coming down to the wire on the point. So uh, I think Marcos is a good fighter, but I think this girl Rebos is on a whole different ball game in terms of talent. And, I mean, not just beating Whitmire and Dern, but the way she did, man. I mean, talk about domination. I mean, Whitmire got tapped out in the uh, second round, completely dominated Mackenzie Dern. Uh, same thing as well so I do expect uh, Marcos to probably go the 15 minutes because she is a, a tough girl but Rebos the size advantage in this one is drastic in my opinion I mean Rebos is huge I think she cuts a lot of weight and she's still performing very well and her jiu-jitsu is top-notch black belt judo black belt uh, I think she can take Marcos down outbox her submit her possibly um, you know I know Mar Marcos has had some success against some Brazilians in the past, like Mar Marina Rodriguez, but Rodriguez doesn't have the, the ground game that Rebos has, and, and it's not even close. So I'm going to go with Rebos by 30-26 in Brazil. I think she gets it done here. Rebos is another girl that likes to feed off the crowd, especially in the walkout. She has a great energy about her, so it's going to be interesting to see her fighting in an empty uh, room as well. But look, uh, Random Marcos is one of the veterans of this division. Uh, Random Marcos, if you're not quite up to the level of Random Marcos and you get matched up with her, I mean, she will head and arm throw you. She will smash you. You know, she might even try to get off on that jab uh, from time to time. But in this spot, Amanda Rebos is the much more well put together fighter. And her striking to her takedowns just her her overall game is much more fluid than random marcos so i think she's favored heavily for that reason it, it, it's just about the experience because you know i do agree she did dominate emily whitmire and uh mackenzie dern but th this is a step up in competition man so we'll see how she performs but everything she showed me up until this point shows me that she can pass this test so i will go with uh amanda rebos as well now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Juicier Formiga. He's 23-6, and six, and Brandon Moreno is 16-5. and five. Currently, they got Juicier Formiga, minus 155. The comeback on Brandon Moreno is plus 135. Well, Shaq, and uh, Brandon Moreno's second stint in the UFC, he's definitely been going out there and impressing, but now he's got this big step up in competition against uh, the division's elite uh, backpacker, Juicier Formiga. You think Brandon Moreno is going to pass this stiff test? Yeah, I think he's been looking good, but um, I definitely don't think Askarov and France are on Formiga's level by any stretch. Um, you know, France is good, but I mean, let's be honest here. France was kind of, uh, I mean, he beat Tyson M, but I mean, it was it wasn't like it was impressive or anything. Um, yeah, my boy Tyson M got robbed. <laughs> like, uh, and his fight with Paiva was close. I mean, you know, and then um, 
the Askar Askarov fight, he did get taken down a bunch, got controlled a, a lot in that fight, but it seemed like he would capitalize when they were out in space in the, on the striking. Uh, and for me, it kind of keeps – it's so hard to – like, if you're not at that level, it's so hard to get Formiga to, to like, open up because he keeps everything so tight and he's only looking to backpack and – it's hard to fight. I I know Moreno's hot right now, but this fight kind of reminds me of like uh, a Schnell and Pantoja, you know, where like you got one guy that's surging, one guy coming off a, a vicious beatdown loss. But uh, it's a whole different ball game up at that top three, four level, man. So I'm actually gonna go with Formiga here. I think he is gonna get the better of the grappling, avoid the big shots of Moreno. But Moreno is improving. Maybe he can land a a knee or an uppercut, but. Formiga isn't I don't think he's a guy that really needs the crowd with his style you know I think uh he'll be just fine it's probably you know he can come in here and put everyone Formiga might be a hundred skin that's not a smoke break fight but uh <laughs> I think uh Formiga's so many times man where he's gone out there remember the Sergio fight where everyone thought uh Sergio was going to be able to keep it on the feet and he, you know he went out there and backpacked him I know he's coming off a nail but I just think it's a different level man so I'm going to go with Formiga by decision. Look, I agree. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Formiga that went out there and decisively beat the uncrowned <laughs> champion, Davison uh, Dice Duguera Figueredo. So, look, look, I do respect Brandon Moreno a lot. I feel like he's definitely made huge improvements. He's a completely different guy this stint than he was the first time around. So he's coming out here having some great shows. Really like what I'm seeing out of him. But now you got the top three gatekeeper in Formiga who you got to be able to get past the backpack. And I'm not entirely sure that Brandon Moreno will, man. Uh, we saw moments in that Askarov fight on the mat that lead me to believe someone of uh, Formiga's caliber could capitalize. And I think that's what's going to happen, man. I don't think that necessarily he's going to finish Brandon Moreno, but I, I think he's going to have enough back control or top control to, to seal a decision here. So... I will also go with uh, Juice Formiga, but win or lose, I think Brandon Moreno's got a very bright future. I like the improvements I've been seeing out of him. All right, time for the main card, Shaq, because first up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Francisco Masuranduba Trinaldo. He's 24 and 7, and John MacDessy is 17 and 6. John the scumbag, man. <laughs> John the Snake Mac. Uh, currently, they got Francisco Trinaldo minus one sixty. The comeback on John Macdessy is plus one forty. Uh, Shaq, I really wish the Brazilian crowd was here to cheer on Francisco Trinaldo, but uh, do you still think he has enough firepower to break the jaw of uh, the slime ball, uh, Macdessy? Man, I really needed that crowd to be there so they could tell him "Vamos oh, here" and uh, get in his head. But uh, yeah, look, Macdessy is a good fighter, a good point fighter. Um, but man, the guy is a sleazy fuck, huh? I mean, oh man, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll come out eventually. But uh, Let, let's just say he had to leave Rufus Sport ASAP. Yeah, I mean, he had to get out of Milwaukee and and, and fast. And uh, he's on a three fight win streak. Uh, I think the competition. I think the competition has lined up a little bit. He fought Ross Pearson. He fought Abel Trujillo. He fought uh, Jesus Pinedo. All three of those guys are no longer in the UFC. And, you know, he, he likes to do his sidekick game and his jabs, and he likes to keep things real slow-paced and, you know, uh, 
and just you know play it safe for the most part and he's a good kickboxer it's facts um but we always known that his chin is uh he's had his jaw broken twice i believe uh his chin definitely has uh failed him in the past and when you're talking about a guy like francisco trinaldo even at 42 years old this guy's still super aggressive he still throws big bombs in my opinion he beat alexander hernandez uh i still think he can perform on that level and you know the bobby green fight some people think that uh you know, it was closer than the card said, but I, I mean, I think Trinado did enough to get the job done there. And I just think that uh, Trinado moves forward in this fight and really throws that hard left hand upstairs on McDessie that McDessie's not going to like it. You know, this ain't, uh, you know, a young Peruvian kid like Pinedo anymore. And I mean, he I don't want to say he barely got through that fight, but, you know, uh, at times, I mean. If Pinedo <laughs> was a little bit better. Exactly. Like, you know what I'm he saying? He could have won. The fight was in reach for Pinedo uh, and Ross Pearson. I mean, that guy's, you know, t- I think he's, is he bare knuckle or pro boxing now? I mean, Ross is. <laughs> Shout out to Ross Pearson. Shout out to Ross. <laughs> you know, uh, fucking, you know, Ross had some good wins on the way. But, uh, and, and Abel Trujillo, I mean, uh, last time I heard anything from Abel Trujillo, I. Uh, <laughs> we, don't, we don't even want to repeat the things we hear. <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. So, uh, you know, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, McDessie, like. The shit, <laughs> the shit that McDessie's out here. I mean, doing. we could ruin his career right now, but I'm not going to. The shit that McDessie's out here doing is just mind-boggling. But uh, you know, I hear he's at the lab now. I hear he's with Benson's down there with him right now, actually. Uh, but uh, I just think that Trinado's gonna come out here and move forward on him. It sucks that there's no crowd. Uh, I who knows how it's gonna affect the fight. May maybe it does affect the fight now, just because. You know, McDessie, he likes to weasel and he likes to point. And, but I just see Trinado hitting the power being, I think it's going to be able to bring back some of those chin issues up with McDessie. And I think that he'll drop him along the way and, and, and win this decision. You know, uh, I still think he'll win his decision in Brazil without the crowd by landing the harder shots throughout the three rounds. He's not going to have to worry about a wrestling. Uh, you know, that's usually one of his weaknesses. He's not going to have to worry about that here. I don't think McDessie has the KO power to knock him out. Another weakness with Trinado in some fights. And, you know, uh, I think this is a good matchup for him. Yeah, look, I agree. And with the Brazilian crowd there, it would have been perfect because the scorecards might have already been sealed uh, off for Trinado. And they might still be. So look, Masu Randuba Trinado has a lot of pull in, in Brazil. This is a very well-respected, uh, I say young man, but this is a very well-respected man. You know what I'm saying? This is a guy who, uh, I mean, just the name Masu Randuba, that Brazilian, uh, that, uh, what does it stand for again? Like, isn't it some kind of wood? You know what I'm saying? The guy's fucking made of wood, bro. Uh, as far as this matchup is concerned, Firstly, I got a lot of respect for the the ageless wonders, you know, guys like Francisco Trinaldo who can still be so competitive this deep into their careers. You know, my boy is out here, I think he's 42 years old doing his thing, so I like that about him. And as far as the dynamic the dynamic of the matchup goes, look, we know John McDessie wants to point fight. We know he wants to circle around on the outside. But, man, when he's tried to do that against Muay Thai strikers in the past, it hasn't worked. I mean, I know you guys remember, or you might not remember because it was kind of boring, but I remember because it was in Atlanta, Georgia, but the Anthony Njokuani fight, uh, that shit didn't work there, and now with Francisco Trinaldo, it's just a big difference in the power that he brings to the table. When he starts getting off on that left hand, uh, dudes definitely feel it, and I think John McDessie is going to feel it too, man. And I, and I, th- I think he's going to re-break John McDessie's jaw as well. So 
So I'm going with Francisco Masuranduba Trinado via vicious knockout here. I think it's going to be an overhand left. I think he's going to floor Macdesi, and uh, it's too bad he can't be there to cheer, you know, to have the Brazilian crowd cheering for him. But I think afterwards they'll have a nice after-party celebration, and uh, Masuranduba will uh, have yet another victory inside the UFC's octagon. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Johnny Walker. He's 17 and 4, and Nikita Krylov is 26 and 7. Currently, they got Johnny Walker minus 135. The comeback on Nikita Krylov is plus 115. Well, shit, I'll be the first to say I might have jumped the gun a little bit with uh, Johnny Walker. You know, I thought that he might have been the guy to go out there and uh, dethrone the great Jones. And it uh, turns out that wasn't the case. But look, I I'm a man, and uh, I ain't just going to celebrate when I'm right. I'm also going to admit when I'm wrong. And. Corey Anderson went out there and put him in his place, and I was shocked he couldn't beat a guy like Corey Anderson. All you had to do was touch him in the chin one time, but he didn't even throw that one time to touch him, so it didn't work out. But speaking of head scratchers, man, Nikita's last fight against uh, Glover Teixeira, that was actually the first time in 33 professional fights that Nikita Krylov's gone the full three-round distance. And, uh, you know, he didn't do too bad, but, man, I was thinking this is your showcase fight. This is the chance... Well, I actually picked Glover to go out there and submit him. But I was thinking that while it's on the feet, that this Kyokushin karate style of Nikita Krylov, he's going to be getting off on all these big shots. He's going to have Glover wobbling. You know, he's the first opponent in a long time to not wobble Glover. I mean, even Corey Glover Anderson. Was trying to chase him down. You know, Glover was trying to chase him down. I've never seen Nikita <laughs> Krylov run away from someone in a fight before like he did against Glover Teixeira. And, man, it was kind of like a big head scratcher for me to see Krilov on the defensive like that makes me feel like in this matchup, look, Johnny Walker probably has the more firepower here. And if Krilov was running away from Glover like that, I wonder how he's going to be reacting to these head kicks, to these flying knees. And one thing I want to say about Walker, I think his wrestling defense is kind of underrated. Um, in that fight against Corey Anderson, while he was rocked, and he was down on the mat. He got back up very, very quickly. And in that fight against uh, Henrique Da Silva, which was the last time you saw him go the full three-round distance, you saw some of his wrestling techniques there as well. So now that he's in there with uh, Faraz and GSP, I'm not saying he's going to come out here some new man or this or that. I'm, I'm not going to hype up that change too much. But what I will say is at least he's going out there and having these wrestling practices every day, which is only going to elevate that part of his game that much more because I actually didn't think his wrestling defense was that bad to, to begin with. I, I think he's got a lot of physical tools. But I think now... After taking this first L, now that the hype's died down a little bit, you know, the guy's not bringing in, you know, different chicks into his hotel room every single day on bringing, fight week. I heard he was bringing chicks on fight week to the <laughs> hotel room. I think now he's going to settle down a little <laughs> bit. And, and I think Krilov is going to respect this power, man. And um, I think Johnny Walker is going to remind people why he was a hype prospect before the Corey Anderson fight. I think he comes out here. I think it's going to be a head kick. I think it's going to be a flying knee, a Superman punch. I think Johnny Walker comes out here and finishes Nikita Krilov with a knockout. Krilov's a guy, you know, I've always criticized in the past for his heart, you know, more so with the ground game where he comes out with the, like the Blackovich fight, comes out, gets mound, and then goes to his back and then has nothing left. And, uh, you know, at times it's kind of been embarrassing. And he still has that style. I mean, he still gets on top. He still goes to his back. He, I mean, nothing's really changed. So I think, uh, he, I mean, he has gotten a little bit better. I see he's at ATT now, um, you know, but. Throughout the way, man, Johnny Walker is definitely the more physically gifted guy in terms of, you know, knockouts, power. Uh, Nikita's only going to, I mean, he's a good kicker, but I just have a hard time believing that's going to work here with Johnny. Uh, he's going to have to engage at some point. 
like you said, he is training those GSP wrestling practices. Uh, you know, I'm sure his wrestling is up to par coming into this one. So I, I actually do think it's a good matchup for Johnny. Uh, you know, Nikita Krylov, his only way, his only path to victory is if if he can get on top of Johnny. But uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard to do that, man, with the type of feints and feints that if he can, you know, that that he was showing, you know, in the Serkinov fight, it's gonna be really hard to do. He might run into a knee here, but uh. If he stands there and uh, does what he did against Corey Anderson, and Corey Anderson's the guy that's not necessarily known for his knockout power either, man. So that's kind of kind of be a little bit uh, worrisome as well. But uh, I'll go with Johnny Walker by knockout as well. Nikita Krylov, he kind of just runs away on the outside. He kind of seems like a guy that's kind of uh, I don't want to see because he doesn't have that many TKO losses. But it seems like uh, if he fights a real power striker uh, that a uh, I do think that he could be knocked out cold, so I'm gonna go with Johnny Walker. What's interesting about Nikita is that like he almost has like a point karate style, but the guy's never won a decision in his life. He has 11 career knockouts, 15 submissions. He's trying to he's trying to set you up for the takedown. So uh, it's really interesting with the guy. But that last fight with Glover, I was like, yo. I mean, on the bright Nikita. side, on the bright side, you could say. That his ground game's good enough to take Glover Teixeira's back. What happens if he takes somebody else's back? Because, I mean, Glover is like, what, third degree? Yeah. So. And he got out of Glover's back take, <laughs> exactly. which was good, so too. Maybe we should be thinking, but we'll see. Yeah, but that running, man, I was... Because <laughs> I really thought going into it that on the feet that he was going to have the chance to knock out Glover, and it was Glover chasing after him. So I was like, yeah, Nikita. Yeah. <laughs> Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Renato Moicano Carnero. He's 13-3, and three, and Demir Hadzovic is 13-5. and five. Currently, they got Renato Moicano, minus 340. The comeback on Demir Hadzovic is plus 280. Shaq, uh, look, before Renato Moicano's unfortunate two-fight skid where he got knocked out in both those fights, by the way, I was thinking this guy might be like a future title challenger or a future champion. Uh <laughs> Turns out I was <laughs> turns out I was very wrong about that. But look, now he's not cutting as much weight. He's moving up to lightweight, somewhat of a hand picked opponent. But then again, Demir they call him the uh, the Bosnian bomber, and not the Moicano doesn't move his head off that center line. Do you think Demir is live at all for this upset, or yeah. is is Hinato gonna show why he's the much more skilled Hinato fighter might here? Not move his head off the center line, but Demir Hadzovic can't stuff a takedown. So you know, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, he doesn't move his head off the center line. But I think at uh, fifty five. He's going to be able to think better, man. I think uh, he was cutting a lot of weight. I mean, before the Aldo fight, he was saying that, you know, since he moved to Florida, that his body's been changing. He's The weight cuts have been getting a lot tougher. So I, I know those words came out of his mouth. So it was an issue back then. Not saying that's the reason why he lost the fight, because it's not the reason why. He fought two uh, former champion and uh Korean Zombie, who's a top five contender, and I actually picked Zombie to win that fight. Uh, I had a feeling it was a bad matchup for Moicano. So I think that... uh. Now him coming into this, uh, you know, even though he's moving up, but Hatsovic, man, one thing, every time he fights a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, what happens for the most part? I mean, <laughs> he gets taken down. That's what happens. I mean, Alan Patrick, he got taken down. I know he knocked out Marcin Held, but what happened for the majority of that fight? Uh, what happened when he fought, uh, I mean, even Christos fucking Giagos took his ass down. <laughs> fucking... Uh, there's a one more I'm missing. Um, Alan Patrick? I said Alan Patrick. Uh Who's the other black belt that he's fought? Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, so I mean, but and Jocko I, on the regionals, and, and Jocko on the regionals, but and you know, I feel like one of Demir's uh, the reasons why. I mean, the, 
the mirror hasn't really uh, lived up to expectations. You know, the the, the Christos Giagos fight I thought was the perfect fight for him. I thought, all right, this is going to be a Christos is a big meathead. He'll be able to, you know, uh, Euro style on this guy from the outside. But man, he showed up lethargic. I know he said he had a knee injury uh, going into it. So I and, am, and his wife had a baby on fight week. So I, I am expecting him to show up a little bit better. But even his best performances, like uh, against Polo Reyes, I mean, on the feet, I mean. I don't want to say that Polares was getting the better of it, but, you know, I mean, Demir, I don't think he's as good as a striker that people think he is or, you know, um, I just think he, he's in a, a below 500 guy, you know, or 500 below 500 guy. I think it's a perfect fight for Moicano to get back on track. I actually think he comes out here and styles on Demir, uh, beats him on the feet. You can't forget that this guy, Moicano, absolutely dominated Calvin Qatar, uh, Absolutely ran through Cub Swanson, beat Jeremy Stevens. I mean, it's a completely different ball game than Hatsovich. Hatsovich is out here fucking, you know, like losing to Christos Giagos, like, and the and getting dropped and hurt by him. I know it was, uh, uh, he had, you know, the the circumstances, but. I just think that the zombie fight was more so. Uh, Moicano was just overlooking zombie. That just because you know Zombie was coming off the knockout loss to to Yair at the time, but I I said, look guys, don't you know how many times are you ever gonna see an elbow like that? You know you're never gonna see an elbow like that. I mean Zombie wins would have won a decision nine out of ten times there, so uh, I didn't really you know fault Zombie for that too much. I mean that props to Yair. I mean when are you gonna see you know upwards elbows like that? So. Uh, and Zombie could have <laughs> ran away the last 10 seconds. He wanted to keep <laughs> exactly. fighting. Like, like, that was just fucking nuts, man. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen, one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. But uh, I'm going to go with Moicano here by first-round submission. I think he's going to you know, introduce himself into this new weight class. Hatsovich is a tough guy, but I don't see any improvement in his game. And I think it's because he's training in... I mean, look, you live where you live, but he's training down there in, in Denmark. And I see his gym you know, on these little YouTube videos, and it's just... You know, the training partners is just not up to par for the guys that he's fighting. And that's why I feel like uh, he's he's struggled when he takes the he steps up in competition. So I'm going to go with Hanato Moicano here. Look, Hanato Moicano is so much better than Demir Hadzovic. It's not even close. I mean, we're talking about a former top five contender in Hanato Moicano. Demir will never sniff the top ten in his life uh, of any weight class in the UFC. So, you know, there's that part. It's just about Hanato. Don't don't leave your head on that center line. Don't get knocked out. And as long as he doesn't get knocked out, he's going to outclass Demir Hazovic in a way where we might we might be reminded why we were so high on Hanato Moicano at one point. You know, uh, this is a guy who beat Zubera Tukugov, uh, Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater, Cub Swanson's. So, I mean, it's just a completely different level of competition. Uh, I think Demir Hadzovic is too slow, too unathletic. It's just he's got one path to victory. He's got a puncher's chance. Uh, Hanato is got, he's got that tall man defense. He is a little bit chinny. So you got to be careful with that. But aside, aside from that, Hanato's got him outclassed every aspect of the fight. So I think the long jab, the leg kicks, the takedowns, the back takes, the rear naked chokes uh, – I think Hanato Moicano is going to dominate Demir Hanzovic. Co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We got a matchup between Damian Maya, he's 28-9, and nine, and Gilbert Dorinho Burns is 17-3. and three. Currently, they got Gilbert Burns minus 175. The comeback on Damian Maya is plus 155. Well, Shaq, uh, two Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts going at it in the co-main event in Brazil. Uh, no one's got a hometown advantage here. But do you think someone has a jiu-jitsu advantage? 
Man, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, I, I, I'm a, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll say Maya. I guess. I mean, he's got better control, in my opinion. Uh, his last fight, he even showed his game off his back. But I'd say Burns is better off his back. Um, you know, but jujitsu, it's it's hard because you know a lot of that shit can be stalemate, man. With uh, when you got two guys like like these guys, uh, you know, top level guys. Uh, I consider both these guys top, you know, five six. I mean, Maya obviously, but Burns, I consider him uh, top five six black belt in the UFC. You know, this fight's real interesting to me, man, because I feel like Burns. <laughs> I don't view him as a like a guy at welterweight that's going to be in the title picture. Or I think that he has made improvements in his game. I think that everything that he throws has serious power on it. And I feel like uh, he does have the jujitsu to maybe come out here and, and nullify some of what Damien's looking to do. Damien, against certain guys, he looks to press with the takedowns. But against guys that he knows that can probably have an answer to his uh, jujitsu, like good wrestlers like Usman, Covington, etc. You know, he kind of tries to stand with them a little bit at first. Uh, in his last fight against um, uh, Ben Askren, man, the thing that worries me with Maya is, man, Ben Askren, I know he's got some funky punches and, you know, everything he doesn't do is unorthodox, but, I mean, he bloodied up Damian Maya's face, and I just have a feeling that if Damian Maya stands with Gilbert Burns for too long, that Gilbert Burns at some point is going to find a home for one of these hammers with that right hand and end up dropping him. And I, and if Maya gets dropped, I just don't see him being able to, you know, get his, uh, you know, wits together and come back and win this fight. I think that if Maya wins this fight, he has to win the first round, win the second round, win the third, or, and, you know, try to flop to his back in the third round. Uh, I just think that his stand-up at this stage in his career is a big liability when he's fighting these young guys. And the only reason I say this is because Burns has the jujitsu, in my opinion, to at least avoid getting uh, submitted. You know, I know Rocco Martin's a, a good black belt, but, uh, you know, he just, he's not on Gilbert Burns' level. I mean, that's just fact. So um, I think that Maya... From a, from a betting perspective, the, the interesting thing is, you know, when Maya opens the dog, I know he was the dog his last fight, but, I mean, we picked Maya. Both of us picked Maya to win that fight. I mean, Ben Askren, I mean, <laughs> I mean, what the fuck has Ben Askren done? I mean, Ben Askren should have been 0-3 in the UFC, you know what I'm saying? But, hey, we, we appreciate what he did. I mean, I, I'm with the trade. I, the trade was great. Hey, his three fights were more entertaining than all the Mighty Mouse's fights combined, so best trade they've ever done. And you know I'm right. Um, I mean... <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, Mighty Mouse had some good fights. What was your favorite Mighty Mouse fight? Um, when he lost to Cejudo. <laughs> that was my favorite fight. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, um, what was I saying about these Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts? About oh, yeah, Burn, yeah. But I think that uh, Damian Maya. Um, for the most part, when he opens the underdog, I mean, he, historically he loses. And I think the fact that he opened the underdog here could be a sign that maybe that uh, Father Time is going to catch up with him and these young guys are going to, or in this specific matchup with Burns, that these young guys can catch up to him. But at the same time, I have seen Burns flop to his back in fights with Gunnar Nelson in that first round, get taken down. But, you know, maybe he feels a little bit more confident. Maybe the game plan is going to be a little bit different. His teammates fought Damian Maya before. Maybe they uh, 
are looking to execute in different positions here. So I, I just feel like Burns should be favored, actually. I know Maya's accomplished way more in his career, but, man, I just feel like he's a liability on the stand-up at this stage in his career. And Burns, one thing you can't say uh, that you can say about this guy, this guy's got power, man. At 55s, he had power. Now he's bringing it up to 70s. The calf kicks that you saw against Konchenko, and not only the calf kicks, I mean, he absolutely controlled Konchenko on the mat, too. So, you know... uh I'm going to go with Gilbert Burns here. I think that he's going to win it at least win the first two rounds. I think Maya could have some success. I'm not 100% sure if Gilbert Burns is ready to deal with Maya in the in the clinch game on the fence and, and the backpack game. Um, but, I mean, he is a world-class black belt, so I, I think that Maya might even come at this fight a little bit differently. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to go with Gilbert Burns. I'm going to go with the younger guy, and I think that uh, he hurts Maya somewhere along the way and, and wins a decision. Look, I can see what you said happening. I totally can. I mean, Gilbert Burns hits very hard. He's also a serious black belt. But man, there's a huge size difference here. I mean, you're talking about a former middleweight and Maya taking on a former lightweight and Gilbert Dorino Burns. Now, now, don't get me wrong. If Gilbert cracks him clean on the chin, I do think he's going to get dropped and get hurt. But I think in these tie-ups that uh, Maya is going to be able to have success getting him down on the ground and, and not, you know, doing anything crazy on the map but just a hold position hold him down stall him out and and win two of the rounds you know and then have a very very sketchy third round where he almost gets finished and if you have money on Maya you're like Damien you know so uh, I'm gonna go with Damien Maya to edge out these first two rounds by just being the bigger man and then having a very sketchy third round where Gilbert almost knocks him out so I'm gonna go with Damien Maya here for the upset Main event of the evening in the lightweight division. We got Kevin the Motown Phenom Lee. He's 18 and 5. And Charles Dubronx Oliveira is 28 and 8. Currently, they got Kevin Lee minus 140. The comeback on Charles Oliveira is plus 120. Uh, Shaq, both these guys made their way back to a UFC main event. Both these guys have momentum on their side once again. Uh, shit, uh, who who you think gets uh, their first uh, UFC main event win here? Man, it's an interesting fight because I feel like the crowd... Uh, not being there kind And real quick Sorry, sorry I'm gonna correct myself Because Kevin Lee beat Chiesa In a main event But who do you think Gets the main event win Here in Brasilia Brazil on Saturday Main event of Tony Right too Yeah but he lost that Yeah But uh But yeah He won Edson was main event too Oh was it Yeah Okay uh, But uh yeah Kevin Kevin Lee uh I'm glad to see him back on track with that win over Gregor. And now that the crowd's not there, I'm interested to see how this is going to play because, man, Charles in Brazil with that crowd, you already know uh, it would have been a big factor, man. Uh, is, it, is the crowd not being there? Like, I mean, man, this is it's going to be a good I – mean, I'm really interested. It's going to be like uh, like it's in the UFC Apex or something, you know, like a, a quiet little venue with, like, a very little people there. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see um, – I think that uh, Charles has been fighting some lesser competition. He has been steamrolling them. David Tamor, it was probably the best name on the six-fight win streak, right? Um, yeah. You know, he had to beat Christos. He beat uh, Nick Lentz, who he already beat. Jared Gordon. <laughs> I mean, if you— Jimmy. Jimmy, uh, Jim Miller. Yeah, Jim Miller, Clay Guida. Um, you know, so, I mean, all those dudes that he beat, I mean, he honestly should have beat. So, I, I, I think that Kevin Lee is definitely— a step up, even though Kevin's been having more uh, mixed results. Uh, I mean, 
the Dos Anjos fight he got submitted in and he's and he's lost though. He struggled with guys like this before. I know you remember that Leo Santos fight back in the day in which he got stiffened. Uh I don't know if we can necessarily say Kevin's back just yet. I mean Gregor Gillespie, I kinda said on the show going into that fight that this guy ain't top ten. He I ain't mean, who you think he is. I mean look, Gregor's good but he ain't he, <laughs> he you know all he, I mean, his wins just, he beat Vince Pichel and Yancey. and Jason Gonzalez and Nancy. I mean, you know, like, I was like, I mean, you know, that's cool. But um, I think that uh, on the ground, man, it, it's interesting because I don't trust Kevin really anywhere, <laughs> anywhere in this fight. I mean, he's been, he's had his uh, moments uh, on the mat. He's, had his uh, and Charles's stand up on thing has been getting a lot better. I feel like Charles can actually go out there and stand with guys. He's feigning, he's throwing knees, flying knees, he's throwing uppercuts. I mean, the guys his striking has developed, you know, seriously throughout the last couple of years. Uh, ever since the Paul Felder fight, ever since you know his daughter, uh, ever since his daughter got born, this guy's been uh, putting in his work. His striking. I mean, he's. I know Nick Lentz, he already beat a couple of times, but, man, to actually go out there and floor him the way that he did, I mean, Arnold Allen couldn't do that. Uh, I mean, Nick Lentz is a tough guy, man. So Scotty couldn't do Scotty that. Scotty couldn't do that. So, I mean, Charles went out there and floored him, like put him on his ass. So uh, Charles has been looking very, very impressive to me. And Kevin Lee, I just – I think Kevin Lee, I've been on the record to say the guy's got all the talents. Like he's huge. He's got the wrestling. I mean, I know Charles is a black belt, but I do have a feeling feeling like you could see something similar to Felder and Charles if Kevin gets on top of him and uh, he clears his submission game, man. If, if Kevin starts getting off some ground and pound on Charles, I got a feeling it's going to get really ugly. Kevin's ground and pound is vicious, man. It's brutal. Uh, and he's at TriStar now. You know, he's putting in work where Johnny Walker's at as well. Uh, and I think Kevin was throwing a lot more jabs in his fight with Gregor, so I do kind of see, it, you know, they uh, – you know, him showing improvements on the feet. He still gets hit a lot. He still doesn't move his head. He's still chinny a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's one worrisome. I feel like this fight should be a, a pick him. Um, so I still slightly favor Kevin Lee. I think that he's stronger. I think that if the fight gets in the late rounds, that it favors him as well. But I'm kind of worried that, man, he might get flashed early with a knee uh or a Darce, uh, you know, get caught in something. It wouldn't shock me as well. I got a tremendous amount of respect for Oliveira, but the crowd not being there kind of, kind of worries me from a Oliveira standpoint. You know, I feel like he's a guy that feeds off the crowd, but man, at the same time, he's never lost in a fight in Brazil in his life. You know what I'm saying? So, playing minus money on Kevin uh, with these type of circumstances is sketchy as well. But I think Kevin's stronger. I think that if Kevin can clear his subs in the early portion and, and, and avoid getting knocked out with the with the knee, I think that this fight favors him. I think that if he starts getting off on some ground and pound, that Charles is really not going to like it. And I think that Kevin could get a you know a late TKO finish. So I'll go with Kevin Lee. Both these guys are so damn talented. Uh, it's really a great matchup, obviously, with Charles Dubronx. When he came to the UFC at 19 years old, 20 years old, and he's going out there chaining all those submission attempts, you really saw the young phenom that he was. And even his striking, man, he's always had that Muay Thai style. You know, he stands upright, uh, goes in there throwing flying knees, mixing in the combos, and he's looking more confident than he ever has. Now, obviously, Charles Dubronx has had some mental hurdles in the past that he's had to overcome. You know, he has had 
You know, uh, when things haven't gone his way in the past, he has uh, looked for his way out, even in a main event before. I know you remember that Max Holloway fight. He's faked injuries before, but you, like you mentioned, he's matured a lot since he had that daughter or his wife had that daughter. Now he's on the big win streak. Now, granted, he would have beat all those guys at any point in his career, but just the way he's going out there and performing. I am seeing him, you know, patch up those parts of his game where he would have had issues in the past. You know, that fight against David Tamor is a perfect example. There were some spots in that fight where in the past he might have packed it in, but here he got dropped, gets back up, and then he goes on to finish the fight. So that was an example that Charles Dubronx, maybe he has a, you know, maybe the mental has caught up with the physical with a guy like Charles Oliveira. And with Kevin Lee, it's not necessarily been I mean it is a mental thing but it wasn't necessarily like a quit thing because you saw the Barboza fight where he got absolutely wobbled and then he still went on to win that round and go on to finish the fight so he's definitely a very tough guy it's just with Kevin Lee it's always been sometimes he's overconfident and and that'll be his downfall like he he thought that the fight with Leo Santos was over before it even began and then uh I think and, he's been humbled uh, along the along the last couple of years. So. He has been humbled, but now he's coming off a huge knockout win. And you know when Kevin gets a big win, his head explodes in a way where <laughs> you got to bring Kevin back down to earth. And uh, it, this is an interesting fight. I agree with Lee being favored just in the sense that, you know, he's the more physical guy. He's bigger. He might be able to swim through some submission attempts, might be able to neutralize here. But five rounds for Charles Oliveira to to maintain that undefeated record in Brazil and uh, get a finish along the way. You got dog odds on it on Charles Oliveira. So I think when you get dog odds on Charles Oliveira in Brazil against someone who got submitted one fight ago, by the way, I, I think <laughs> I, I think you got to go that direction, but it could be a close fight. But I, I'm going to lean with the dog here. So I'm going to go with Charles Dubronx Oliveira to finish Kevin Lee some, somewhere along the way. Well, Shaq, uh, before we answer these fan questions, just got to remind them to go to bestfightpicks.com. Use that promo code 2020 to save 20% off our VIPs, bestfightpicks.com. And Shaq, uh, let's answer some of these fan questions. So, and Jimmy the Drunk asks, what's the story behind the name Half the Battle? What made you name your pod that? Um, I mean, I think it's a good name, right? I think it was pretty fitting with uh, how we get down to the point, and that is half the battle. So I really appreciate the question, man. Johnny Boy says... Think Moicano is live for a stunt considering he's moving up in weight and is nearly a four to one favorite? Um do I think he's live for a stunt this weekend? Yeah. I mean if he gets caught, but I th- I don't think he is, man. I think Hatzovich is too slow. Uh I think Hatzovich, you know, isn't the striker that uh some think he is, but we'll see, man. I think that he he's rightfully a big favorite. Jack Scott says what champion is least likely to hold the belt at the end of twenty twenty? I mean, Israel's got to fight Paulo Costa. That's a tough fight. And Stipe's got some tough contenders in his division, too. I'm going to say either Israel or Stipe. Yeah, I'm going to say Stipe. Havenwood Jim says, which current UFC fighter could benefit the most from a weight class change, up or down? Um, Feels like all the dudes have been making these changes that need to. Uh, Mikhail Olegzaychuk needs to go to 85. Yeah, Mikhail Olegzaychuk, go to 185, dude. Fat ass. Last <laughs> one. Uh, my boy Cap Kobe says my question to you is on that Emmers fight. I really thought Emmers won, and he thinks it was a bad decision. He wants to know what is your take, and you know, could it be a draw, and uh, would it have been a fair conclusion of the Romero fight if uh, they scored at one, two, and five for Romero? <laughs> 
Uh, okay, I see your points on both. Like, Emmer's, like, look, Emmer's definitely fucked Chikadze up more for 100%. Like, Chikadze <laughs> might have had to go to the hospital afterwards. But, like, I did think that Chikadze won, like, the first eight or nine, eight minutes of that fight. Uh, I mean, the first round, for sure, he dropped him. I mean, Chikadze definitely won the first round. Emmer's definitely won the third round. It was about the second round because Emmer's did start to, towards the end of it, start to take over. Um, but I just thought that he got off, just started too late, to be honest, man. Um, I, I scored it for Chikadze. I think he just styled on him for a, a little bit too long. Um, but I don't, you know, and as far as the Yoel fight, um, <laughs> it was funny because, you know, me and you are watching. I'm like, okay, he's up two rounds. Uh, he's he's probably up two rounds. Let's see, you know, he just needs one more round. Uh, and the fifth round was close, but, uh, man, I'm not 100%. I knew 100% sure he wasn't going to get that second round on all three cards. I mean, Adesanya fought a, fought a smart fight. Uh, he did what he had to do to get the win. I thought Adesanya at least won three rounds, at least three to four and five. So, um I got you know Yoel can only blame himself, man. I mean, look, he, Yoel he had, had every opportunity; like it was there. Yoel had moments, but he just <laughs> didn't take it, man. He should have taken it, man. He had every chance to win that fight. He's got no one to blame but himself for that one. MMA Casual said, "Who is the mush of the week? Like, who is the one that everyone's on that's going to lose? You know, last week it was Joanna. The week before it was Tom Breeze. Who's it this week? I'm not sure. I haven't really been on Twitter much. Maybe Kevin Lee. I'm not sure." Um, maybe uh, John McDessie. <laughs> yeah, maybe him. John McDessie. All right, Zach says, "Who are the top UFC fighters for each mixed martial art?" Uh, let, let's just answer a couple. Like, who's the best boxer in MMA? Paulo Costa. Um, best boxer in MMA. Um, Costa's up there. Um, you got a. Uh, Masvidal's up there. Um, for MMA, Poirier. MMA, for Poirier, MMA. Diaz, um, McGregor. You know. All right, wrestling. Who are the best wrestlers? Habib. Habib. Usman. Uh, Colby's really Colby. good, too. Um, oh, yeah, and for, for boxing, for MMA, add uh, Santiago Ponsonibio to that list as well. All right, Muay Thai. Um, Muay Thai, you got uh, Jose Aldo. Cerrone, Edson Barboza. Edson. Um, There's a lot of good yeah, ones, man. Tons. Cyril Gan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my boy. All right, don't do that, says, can Muay Thai fighters make more in Thailand than doing MMA in the U.S.? Well, it just depends, man. Cause many, it depends on how many fights they're willing to it, take. It's really oversaturated market um there's dudes fighting every single weekend every day every day actually uh, but yeah. it depends how good you are if you're the fucking man over there if you're the king <laughs> shit yes yeah. but if not no exactly. if you just an average old bloke you get 50 bloke, cents for a fight yeah. over there but if you actually winning then yeah, yeah, yeah but they start to call you crew and stuff like that yeah. then you might be getting some bucks over there uh, i hear they, there's pr- muay thai leagues every single day like uh, fucking all over <laughs> like that's crazy yeah, yeah. And you can not actually bet on the fights while you're there. Like, just throw down real money. (laughs) Nico says top three refs in MMA. So I want to say this might be a controversial opinion. This might be someone's going to call me a hypocrite because in the past I've heavily criticized this guy. But, but dude, this guy has really turned things around and has become someone that I can actually rely on is really consistent these days. He's really turned things around. That's Mark Goddard, man. I used to shit on this guy all the time because he would – 
you know, inject himself into fights unnecessarily. Like you remember that Cheeto Vera versus Davy Grant fight, but man, and you, and he's had some questionable stoppages like the Joe Lozon versus Ayakinta fight. But like, dude, I really feel like these last few years, Goddard stepped up. He's taken full accountability and he's really shown to be a good authority uh, as a ref. So I like Goddard, but I also like, uh, my boy Rosenthal, Josh Rosenthal. I think he's one of the best. Uh, I think he's very underutilized. And I gotta name one more. Who who who's one more? Shaq, name one more for me. Um, who's who's been doing their thing lately? I like uh, I like uh, Tyone. I like uh, what's the guy's name? Um, is it Mark Andre something? Um, Mark Andre Barriu? Nah, not Barry, <laughs> but, uh He's like he's got like kind of a bald head with like a mullet in the back, um, you know. It's just a uh, Montalvo. You know, the guy, what's the guy? Uh, what's his name? Gaspar Oliver. I know he, he's uh, 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 kind of. I know he wears makeup, but he's actually a good ref. Like you know, he, he's on point. So you know, uh, there's some good refs out there, man. Definitely, man. It's just we don't get to see some of them on every card. You know, they only do the ones that are. You know, on their side of town. So. Blake Rice has gotten a lot better. Blake Rice is good, man. He, I mean, uh, when he's in the UFC, he kind of, you know, turns into a control freak. But uh. <laughs> so a couple of these YouTube questions. Yolo says, "What the fuck happened to Henato Moicano? He goes from beating Stevens, Cub, and Cater, and then been KO'd back to back." What happened was Jose Aldo is a bad motherfucker, and. Jose Aldo and, and uh, Andre Pettineris punked. I don't know if y'all know this. Yeah, I mean, we do. But, like, they were honestly, uh, they were they were getting into it on IG, man. They were uh, tell, telling Moicano that he wasn't Brazilian anymore and that how he was an American boy and, you know, how he uh, left Brazil. And, you know, Moicano decided to respond and, you know, they, they took it and ran with it and they were they were bullying him on IG. And, uh, Look, Moicano's a guy that used to have a poster of Jose Aldo in his bedroom and then yeah. all of a sudden he's got to fight him and then his hero's telling him he's not Brazilian. Like, yeah, dude. Telling him that he's going to whip his ass. And Hinato was broken before <laughs> that fight even started. And then Zombie was just a horrendous matchup for him. But I think now... Assuming that those fights didn't completely diminish his confidence, I think we might, I think we might see glimpses of the old Moicano here. He's got the perfect matchup to do so, so it's up to Moicano to step up, and hopefully he does. Demitar says, "Do you think the odds makers are disrespecting Overeem against Harris?" Uh, according to Demitar, Overeem should be the favorite, especially after uh, you know the recent things Harris went through. Okay, well, if you okay, I see where you're coming from, but the favorite I think is a stretch is because Overeem. Did you, I mean, you saw his last fight. Right? <laughs> he got knocked out, and what about all his other fights? Uh, I know uh, Harris has definitely been dealing with some issues, but man, yeah. I'm not 100% sure that Overeem can take that punch at this stage in his career. I know Overeem might be the more well-rounded guy, but I think Harris should be should be slightly favored. But I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from, though. I think Harris is going to knock his head into the 10th row and have an incredible moment when he wins this fight. All right, now Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Brasilia? Um... My fight to watch is going to be Johnny Walker versus Nikita Krylov. I mean, Johnny Walker, he's got to redeem himself after he got knocked out against Corey Anderson. Uh, 
I mean, I, everyone wanted him to touch Corey's chin, and he and he, uh, and he couldn't do that. Nikita, you know, I've been I've been thinking he's been getting a little bit better. Uh, still a young guy. Uh, if he can get this win, man, this will be a huge win for him. He'll be in that uh, official top ten in that light heavyweight, and he'll get a big fight. Uh, so I think uh, maybe even the winner of this fight gets a gets a maybe a possible main event or you know uh you know down the line so i think uh that's my fight to watch i gotta see which 205 prospect emerges yeah that's definitely one of the fights to watch for me my fight to watch is elizu zaleski versus alexei kunchenko it's a very interesting stylistic matchup you got a very exciting fighter and elizu zaleski taking on you know a bit of a russian coaster in alexei kunchenko both guys had massive win streaks prior to their recent setbacks. So one guy's going to get back on track and one guy is going to have a very unfamiliar feeling of losing two fights in a row. So I cannot wait to see what happens when Alexei Kunchenko and Eliza Zaleski dos Santos throw down in the center of the octagon. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC on ESPN plus 28? Um, my fighter to watch is going to be Amanda Rebus. You know, she's fighting random Marco. She's got a, a perennial tough out, a, uh, you know, a staple of the division. And I feel like if she can get uh, get this win, she'll be lined up for a big fight. Uh, you know, hopefully they don't, they don't do her versus my girl Yan or anything. Like that, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But I do think that she's, uh, you know, going to be a, a, a good star for this division uh, with her personality. So I'm going a, I'm to a say Amanda, Amanda Rebos is my fighter to watch. Yeah, look, uh, for me... For me, my father to watch is Charles Dubronx Oliveira. This is a guy who's had his ups, has had his downs, but has always had that potential, has the most submissions in UFC history. Now you see him going out there winning fights by knockout. And if he can go out there and get a main event win over Kevin Lee in Brazil, that's only going to propel Charles Oliveira to not necessarily be a title challenger, Shaq, but to be a star, to be a guy that the UFC can always rely on to put on an exciting fight. I mean, he already is that guy that they can rely on, but now he can maybe be a more consistent main event fighter if he can go out here and get this win over Kevin Lee, especially a dominant win, especially a finish. So, Charles DuBronx Oliveira is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday in Brasilia, Brazil. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05 or Shaq BFB on Instagram. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can get our bets at bestfightpicks.com. Use that promo code 2020 for 20% off our VIPs or hit us up individually. Use that promo code Shaq for 10% off. Use that promo code Dan for 10% off at bestfightpicks.com, all lowercase. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the places where we are available we truly appreciate all of your support we will be back next week thank you guys again bestfightpicks.com and until the next time let's cash these bets